Track Talk Podcast. It is 2022. Happy New Year to the listeners. Jane and Charlotte are here. Happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year, Dad. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Thank you for joining us. What a year 2021 was and what a year 2022 could be. I feel like we're at a very good time now in in the history of Formula One and I can't wait to see the new cars on track. Who's going to be world champion this year? We had a phenomenal season last year. Will it be as good this year? But we're not here to talk about this year. We're here to talk about last year. Too many years. 2021. Can't wait to get into it. That's quite the opening. I don't really know how to follow it. Um, hope everyone had a very happy holidays uh, and a very happy new year. And yeah, let's get into this year because I think it's safe to say this is possibly the best year of Formula One ever. Last year. Not this year. Yeah, Last yeah. I mean, year. this year hasn't happened. No. <laughs> We don't know right, what's going to happen. First few days year. in 2020. <laughs> no, Dude, we will even. get to this year later on in the weeks and months as the season starts and goes on and Bottas becomes world champion. I can hope. No, well, silence. Uh... By, by Charlotte's logic, if the um, if this is the best season of F1, then Fernando Alonso is champion because he begins with A. What? What? <laughs> well, if, if, if the season was to end right now, Fernando Alonso would be champion. Oh, alphabetical, I see. Yeah, come come on, people. I, I know it's early in the year, but I need, I need you to be sharper than that. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, this will be a two-part season review from 2021. In part one, which you're listening to right now, we'll be talking through some of the storylines of the season. And in part two, we will, of course, be talking about the titanic title battle that was between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, which Max won in rather controversial circumstances and we will be doing the awards for the seasons running through all the teams and all of this lovely stuff let's start with daniel ricardo he, he struggled didn't he charlotte go on start start us off you're you're a danny rick fan he, he struggled yeah i mean it was no secret that he found it challenging and you know before he joined mclaren everyone was predicting that he would come in and dominate mclaren lando would be on the back foot and then he would have to kind of, you know, show Lando the ropes of like all his experience and all this stuff. But actually it was the other way around. Lando was very dominant and Daniel was always a little bit further behind. But I would like to say that although it wasn't the best start to his season and not as good as he was performing potentially in his second year in Renault, he was still finishing within the top 10 and even the top nine. I think uh, eight out of 10 races, he was in the top nine by round 10, which actually is a very good and he's still bringing important points back to the team but i'm gonna let the boys you know continue their opinions on it and i'll come back because i've got more to say i mean if i just run through his race results even in the first half of the season i'm gonna literally gonna reel them all off they, i'm ready they I'm, great. I'm ready for my comeback here we go they weren't Dan, great banting you with facts it's all um, right i'm ready hit me come go. in with the facts we the had numbers s- don't lie <laughs> we had a we had a seventh sixth ninth sixth twelfth 9th, 6th, 13th, 7th, 5th, 11th, 4th, 11th, 1, up uh, 1, 1st, and Monza obviously, 4th, 13th again, 5th, 12th, DNF, 12th, 5th, 12th. There's a lot of non-points finishes there, and other than the win in Monza, it's not many, really any highlights. Okay, Go on, really Charlotte, savage. defend him. Really, really <laughs> savage, but right, if we just go up to round 10, which was up to Great Britain, 
Yeah, if we just focus on that before he headed... Um, oh, no, that was Lando Norris. Yeah, if we just go up to round 10, Great Britain. Great Britain, he had his first top five finish for the team. That is a very good result. Really good. Shows that he's slowly progressing and he's getting there. And by that point, he was on 50 points in total for that point in the championship, right? If we compare that to his first year in Renault, so finishing the 2019 season, he finished with 54 points. And we weren't even halfway through the 2021 season and he was on 50. So I think everyone was putting a lot of pressure. I had a lot of opinions on Daniel Ricciardo when I really do think that is very unfair. Yes, he wasn't performing anywhere near Lando Norris, but he was still having consistent point finishes unlike other drivers. And you know, helping McLaren stay P3 in the Contractors' Championship at that point. So I think Daniel was doing a great job. And obviously, Monza, he showed everyone that he never left. He was just, you know, a bit to the side, as he said. I mean, we're going to speak a bit more about Lando in a minute. But just before Jay jumps in, in that those races before Great Britain, Lando only finished outside the top five once. It's the same car, same team. Just going to leave that there. But we'll talk about Lando a bit more later. Go on, Jay. Do you know, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to somehow fall in between you guys in terms of opinion, in terms of strength of opinion. Because on the one hand, you can say, you know, what Dan just said. You know, all those times he didn't score points, didn't finish in the top five, was destroyed by Lando in qualifying, race results. Arguably cost McLaren P3 in the Constructors' Championship, arguably. Because when you look at how well Carlos Sainz done, and I'm sure we'll get into him later, joining a new team. But at the same time, go on, Charlotte. I was just going to say, the first half of the season, Ferrari weren't that dominant. Especially if we look at France. What a shocker. They both finished outside of the top 10. Whereas both McLarens were very cushy, I believe, in the top six, at least. But so I'm surely saying, they should have wrapped the constructors if, up. Yeah. Yeah. If, we'll talk if, about the latter half of the season <laughs> later. I'm sure. Oh, this <laughs> is going to be this is going to be an episode full of arguments. I can tell. Oh, yeah, Someone's I got to defend them. I love the controversy. I live for it. Well, I just I just think if obviously Daniel was a bit closer to Lando, McLaren are probably P3. I mean, I know that he's had some bad luck at the end of the year, but probably P3. But then on the other hand, I do think. Ricardo's reputation coming into McLaren probably made it a lot harder for him and he was probably scrutinised the most of all the other drivers who moved teams. I think everyone sort of thought with Carlos Sainz moves teams, you know, he's going to the Clerks team. Ferrari is the Clerks team. They kick that out. Sainz probably won't do much. Whereas like Ricardo, he went in, everyone thought he's going to be the main man at McLaren. He's going to be the one who propels them back up to the top step of the podium and I guess he was in the end. But he's going to be the main guy there and Lando's going to be like his... Like he's going to be the second driver essentially but it couldn't find it any more differently and I think it's not really Ricardo's fault it's just that because he's been so good before where obviously he won what seven races before this year um, went to Renault destroyed Ocon and beat Hulkenberg uh, at Renault so he made it a lot harder for himself and the expectation on his shoulders was a lot higher compared to the other drivers so I do think people were obviously a lot harsher on him than they probably maybe should have been or were deserving to be but then at the same time I don't think he was good enough to to warrant as much praise or as much defence as Charlotte has given him. Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> 
that um, one stunk. Yeah, I don't really. It's a bit like, oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, I have to say his qualifying performances this year were extremely disappointing at times. Um, you know, there was times like the Monaco Grand Prix, we thought, oh my God, you know, he's had a win here. He's been so dominant when he was in Red Bull. Um, and I believe he was 13th or 14th, somewhere around that area. Um, Wasn't he knocked out in Q1 a few times as well? Yeah. Which... He was. He got lapped by Lando a couple of times yeah, as I well. Just, yeah. You can't be knocked out in Q1 in a McLaren, which is what, the third or fourth best car. Should be in Q3 probably every yeah. weekend or every race weekend. But you know, I mean, just, just to drivers. clarify, go on, Charlotte, sorry. I was going to say, on. there were other drivers who were struggling as well. You know, Perez didn't start that strong at the start of the season. Alonso was struggling to get back into it. Um, Carlos was, to be honest, Carlos actually was one of the best, actually, to get in the Ferrari and kind of get the ground running. He but, was the best adaptability yeah. wise. But I've got to say, though, once again, although he had some not, you know, not very good qualifying performances, he still in some races was able to kind of get back up on the grid get into the top 10 and yet even if he does finish p9 or p10 or something at least he's still showing that he's able to cut through the field yes you're going to say that the machinery warrants that and all these kind of arguments i understand but <laughs> i do think that you have to cut the guys on slack i mean i like danny rick i do like danny rick i'm not going to sit here and say i don't like him because is that because then pretty Sorry. impossible to like I've got a big like, question. Do you like Danny Rick because you have the same name as him? <laughs> no, that's no, that's nothing to do with it. Actually, he's just—he's impossible to hate, isn't he, Danny Rick? Um, he is impossible to hate. But then, then again, to to bring up the facts, you know, nine non-point finishes all season. Lando only had two. We had that Mexico Qatar Brazil triple header towards the end of the season. He didn't score a single point. Yeah, that was painful. It's just I don't know. He, I mean, twenty twenty two will be interesting because you know we can cut him. We cut lots of drivers first season slack, so we can we can cut him that. But there's not really any excuses heading forwards into next season. Agreed. Do you know what actually? Before I do say about what you just said there, Dan, imagine an F1 driver called Charlotte. That would be crazy. I can't wait for that. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> there's no... That was a really random introduction, but I was just Let's thinking... Let's get women in Formula that, 1. Yeah, <laughs> and make sure they're called Charlotte. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise I'm, not, I'm not here for it. Otherwise, we're not allowed in. Except oh, Jamie Chadwick, she's great. Yeah, big up Jamie. Do love Jamie. Um, Well, I think that if Ricardo has a season as, as poor, is that fair to say? Right, shall I just take you back is, to the 2019 season? I would say that that is very fair. No! I would say he, he was P8. P8. Hold on. Is Paul, is Paul fair? He had less points this season than last okay, season. You know I would say that P8's, uh, that Paul's fair. I'll say disappointing. I'll say Charlotte disappointing. looks fuming. I, I, no, no I'm, I, I would say, right, that if Ricardo's this performance this year is as disappointing as it was last year then he can't be cut the same amount of slack because it's new cars everyone's new you can't say oh he's got to adjust because Lando's in the same boat next year um, or everyone's in the same boat next year so he needs to be a lot closer to Lando and if not then I think that he's going to become what he didn't want to be at Red Bull and that's going to be the second driver and if McLaren do get or, or able to give their drivers a, a, a race winning car is he going to be sacrificed like we saw uh, Perez has been, like we've seen Bottas has been, like we've seen, I don't know, anyone else has been. Is he going to become that second driver and he's going to be the understudy to Lando to help him win the title? Uh, to, to answer that question, I do not know. And I guess we will only have to wait and see. It's hard to say. People are saying that um, 
you know, for the 2022 season, um, that Lando could be fighting for the championship, which would be interesting because I just, I don't, that's my thing. I'm like, tasty. Well, obviously, with the new cars, that's what people are hoping is that it's not just a two man race. Uh, for the title they hope that it's gonna be a few more people involved which would obviously would make it way more exciting and be great but you know we will see we will see but i would just like to quickly go back to daniel's points at the end of the seasons so 2019 first year in renault if we look at that that was 54 points from the year previous 2018 rebel that's 170 now that is really bad okay that's really bad then we go to 2020 and he had a couple of podiums. Um, he had quite a few top four finishes, I think. And he had 119. Now, with the way you're slandering Daniel Ricciardo, right? And saying how poor, how many out of the points, DNFs and all these kind of things, right? He finished the season on 115. Which, if we actually think about it, isn't that bad. How, in a much quicker car. How many did he score last year? 119. And he's got 115 this year. And Four less. Last and year, no, but last year there was what seventeen races. This year there was twenty-two. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> if we're going back to his first year at Renault, he's on fifty-four. Points. Yeah, but that that is the car. That Re- but that Renault car was car. diabolical. Renault was but awful. I don't care. We're still looking at him. Okay. But he's on fifty-four points. He's doubled that easily into this year and he had a lot of bad luck there was one race that he was doing really really well in towards the end of the season i'm trying to find it now um and he had to dnf and that really did make me sad because he was doing really well where was it there we go brazil he was looking really strong i think he was in like top six i want to say like he was looking strong but unfortunately he had to dnf the car so then that makes his points highly look worse and then Lando also for McLaren had a bit of a shocker and only finished P10. So there were, it's not just factors down to his driving. I think he also had some bad luck. Um, you know, such thing as Hungary as well. He was 11th and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but he did only <laughs> score two more points finishes after Russia. And Russia was not near the end of the season. But yeah, but okay, okay. Russia, he was P4. United yep. States, he was P5, and Saudi Arabia, he was P5. So, to be fair, top five. Mm, uh, That's uh, good, though. But though, they're not Saudi. A 13th, a 12th, a DNF, a 12th, and a 12th. So and Saudi, Saudi, he, he was one of the people who got really lucky from the red flag. But I also think that the McLaren car wasn't suited to the tracks to the lower end of the season. If we look at, like... Um, Mexico and Qatar. It wasn't really a great no, race for McLaren. Qatar, Whereas Ferrari were like, good. woohoo, loving in, life. In Qatar, they were pretty, well, Orlando was pretty good in Qatar until his tyre blew up. Wasn't he like fourth or fifth? Um, I'm not sure. I Orlando can't was remember doing well in Qatar and then his tyre blew up. Yeah, we've seen but, the straight line speed of the McLarens though. Like Lewis has struggled to get past Lando a lot and Bottas struggled to get past Ricardo in Mexico. Exactly. Yeah, so Bottas why can't is. he do it more often? No, but Bottas struggles to get past anyone. Like, it's not even a... <laughs> Shut up, Jay. We're abusing Daniel Rick, not Bottas. <laughs> Leave we him have alone. Seen, that's true. We have seen the McLarens are really hard to pass. And I think it was in Saudi Arabia. We saw he could have potentially even gone for the podium as Bottas was really struggling behind him. But unfortunately, he kind of ran out of laps as well and he didn't get to fight against Ocon. Obviously, we all know how that ended with Saudi Arabia. A photo, a photo finished between Bottas and Ocon. Um, what a man. What a man. So, yeah, I would like to know other people's opinions. So let's know on social media because I don't think I'm crazy. I don't think I'm that insane for thinking he didn't do that bad. 
compared no, to what I don't think you you're crazy. We're just bringing the counter argument. <laughs> <laughs> Very violently. <laughs> right, and okay, should we, should we move on from Danny Rick? I was going to say one more thing about okay, Danny Rick. And, Better be nice. Because, well, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, oh. essentially. So, it's not going to no, be No, no, no. It's, it's, it's going to be nice, but it's, it's not going to be horrible. Yeah. Go. Get him gone. There's certain other drivers <laughs> who need to be in that seat. No. I won't name names. Go anyway. on, say, say his name. Say his name. You you know you want to. <laughs> NDV. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was going to say, so at the start of the season, if you said to me, you asked me, who are my top four drivers in Formula 1? I would have said Hamilton, Verstappen, Leclerc, Ricardo. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Would you ha yeah, but this is you saying it now. No, but I'm saying so at the start of the season, is that yeah, fair? Would you would you agree with me? I don't know yeah. if you would have said that. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Based would on Ricardo's Based on oh, Ricardo's the, the worst, like he was so like not worse, but like twenty twenty, he was nowhere. No, but that Ferrari was terrible and he got two. But then how did you know the Ferrari would be great this year? I'm just saying, like, like purely on driver ability. Like, okay, if, like if you If you put them in the same machinery, they'd, okay, they'd be in top okay, four. Okay, okay, I'm I in thought. now. But now I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, is he is he, a, is he in that elite level of driver that we maybe put him in before, before this season? I mean, I wouldn't say... Don't get me wrong, he's a very, very good driver. He's a very, oh. very good driver. But he has struggled this year. Is he in that that top tier? Yeah, I can say that I don't think he probably is. Can he now. eat? Can he eat at the top table with the big dogs? That's what I'm asking. I don't probably think now. No. Not. No. no. I think he when he was in Red Bull, much more yes. But I think. I don't think I don't think he's ever so Hakusan. slightly, ever so slightly lost that bit of a spark. But we will see. Maybe he'll reignite that this year. I just, yeah, I just, I'm, I, I missed the old Ricardo when he was just like he would just break uh, the last second and just go past everyone. Uh, that China race he won. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just yeah. reminiscing. Anyway, let, let's move on from Danny Rick, and I think we're all going to agree a bit more on the next point, and that is the brilliance of Lando Norris this season. More specifically, the first half of the season. I've done it with Danny Rick, so I'm going to do it with Lando to run you through his results. But I'm only going to do Lando's up to Great Britain because then it gets a little bit worse after that. He had a fourth, a third, a fifth, an eighth, a third, a fifth, a fifth, a fifth, a third, a fourth. And then he had some bad results. Plus he had a P2 in Monza as well. And then it kind of trailed off for Lando. But regardless, that first half of the season is one of the best first half of the season. I would say, in fact, no, I would go as far as saying he had the best first half of the season on the grid. Based on the machinery he had and based on yeah. who he was fighting. I would say he probably was the best driver on the grid in the first half of the season. Because Lewis and Max both made mistakes. He didn't really. Yeah, and there was times where he thought he wouldn't be able to even try and challenge Lewis and Max. You know, if you see even like, you know, the first um, race in Austria for the Styria, he kind of just let, you know, the, the Mercedes and the Red Bulls go past. And then the week later, he thought, actually, I have a fighting chance. And he really did show them that. He has a very good card. He's a really good driver. And, you know, even Lewis commented on that, saying he's a great driver. Um, it was almost unexpected. I don't even know if he expected it to have gone that well for him. But I think it's that, you know, the first year of um, for Formula One for Lando in 2019, he's the rookie. He's still trying to find his feet. 2020, it was all a bit everywhere. And this year, I think, he, well, this year, 2021, should I say, he just went for it and he just 
yeah, it was just great. He really showed that hunger and like fighting spirit in the car, and it was so. It was just really great to see. Really great. You know, for much of the season, we were saying Lando could get third here. You know, despite all the odds, we were saying Lando could get third. And one thing specifically about Lando is he steps it up every single season. He went from 97 points in 2020 to 160 this year. That is a massive jump. Fair play. And he's had a pole as well, which no one would have said at the start um, of the season. Probably, probably easily, very easily could have been a victory. Yes, Don't could have even. had two poles in Spa if he hadn't have uh, crashed yeah, in that even have ridiculous it. conditions that they were sent out in. Do you know what? I was just saying to you guys about elite level drivers and saying how Ricardo's probably lost his space at that table. Well, I think the space he's vacated has definitely been earned by Lando Norris, especially up until sort of like September this year. He was ridiculously good, and it kind of got to the point where you sort of expected him to be sort of P3, P4. Like, you sort of look, you see, oh, Max Lewis first, second. And then you'd be like, oh, Lando's third. And it wouldn't be surprising. They wouldn't be like, oh, like, he's beating Bottas or he's beating Perez. You just sort of became the norm for him, for Norris. And I think Carlos Sainz leaving McLaren is probably one of the best things that's happened to Lando Norris in his career because that, that McLaren team is now his team. You know, I think he's sort of seen... Daniel Ricciardo's coming in, an established race winner, probably one of the most popular drivers on the grid and one of the most highly rated drivers on the grid. And he's, you know, he's shown Ricciardo that he's not here to just, you know, step aside and let him, you know, rule the roost. This is his, his team. And he's what? Podium at Imola. Podium in Syria. Monaco. Monaco. Um, obviously Monza as well. We came second. And, do you know I think he could have won Monza, but McLaren would have been maybe a bit too cautious with the old strategy when they let the boys race but what a year what a year he's probably been one of the best yeah yeah easily the top three drivers of the year i'd say is that fair i do yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i don't want to say no if we look up to britain yeah as i said i think he was probably the best driver up to then and he did have a lot of bad luck in the second half of the season was up Mm. in the top three Probably not. That would probably be Hamilton, Verstappen, Sainz for me. But he would be in the top five without a shadow of a doubt. Well, I was going to say that before Lando and Carlos... Sorry, I'll start that again. When Lando and Carlos were both in McLaren, I think both of them were kind of overlooked as drivers in the sense of they were both so equal. If you look at their um, battles you know, of like who had the best qualifying and who had the best race finishes and stuff like that. They were pretty much level on how many they have each. Whereas then this year, Lando has completely like (laughs) beaten Daniel in those statistics. And I think Carlos as well showed everyone that he can give Charles Leclerc run for his money and that he was finishing better and battling the people higher up the grid. So I think it just showed the calibre of both these drivers. But for Lando, it just looks so strong and you know if we do talk about Sochi in Russia when he was on pole and everything up to the last couple of laps he was completely confident and dominant within that race up until the rain came and the tyre strategy had to come but even then even when he was slipping off the track he was still somehow ahead of Hamilton and we all know how good Hamilton is in the wet and he was still ahead of him for like you know most of that 
you know, that's a crazy few laps. So, you know, I think his time is definitely going to come. With Italy, I know he was saying, is it best if, you know, if I kind of overtake Daniel? But I thought, I want Landon to get his win off his own merit, which obviously Sochi looked perfect. But I think this year, easily, we'll see him be a Grand Prix winner. I've been very harsh to Lando over Russia, saying that he should have boxed for inches. And, you know, it is what it is. But I think Lando being Lando would have learned a lot of lessons from that. And I think it will serve him in better stead heading into 2022 than perhaps if it hadn't have happened in the first place. Because it may be the case that in a few years' time, he's fighting for the championship. And that kind of decision could have cost him a championship rather than just a win. But he's now going to kind of figure out that the team know best. They know better overall. Equally, the team will have learned from it to be a bit more decisive, saying it's going to rain, get in the pits rather than, eh, you can come in if you want, you don't have to. Well, you, you know, saw, but... like, Lewis didn't want to box, and his team were very adamant and really saying, no, you need to box. So Lewis was forced into that decision, whereas Lando was more like, I want the win. Um, and it definitely, definitely is a learning curve. And I think that also had something to do with his performance for like, the last few races this season. I think he probably was a bit disheartened and a bit, you know a bit hurt by how it all happened so i think that definitely would have been playing on his mind um but you know like we say it's all a learning curve things like that happened with lewis with his championship in the early days so i think it's it's all for good reason yeah i don't, I don't know but i think lando gets maybe a bit too much stick for these uh his performances towards the end of the year and I know, I feel like it's a sort of similar thing with Ricardo, where before McLaren he was just on fire and everyone expected him to be on fire again. And then sort of same with Lando, before the summer break he was really, really good and people expected the same afterwards. But he was still really, really good. You think Qatar were easy P4, P5, tyre blew up. Um, and I know Brazil, he smashed into Carlos Sainz and tries to blame Carlos Sainz for it, but... Um, yeah, like he qualified well. Abu Dhabi, he he was P three in Abu Dhabi on the grid, and probably could have came P four, P five if his tire didn't. Uh, oh yeah, and the he was yeah, he was puncture. he was very very unlucky at the end of the year. And I think think even in um in Saudi he was running well until the Safety red flag. Safety car, I think, and that yeah, red really flag just him. killed him. And like, I think he was probably the biggest loser from the red flag. But I'm sure in our um, Saudi review we put him as the un unluckiest driver, him or Seb. I can't remember who it was. I think it was Lando for me, definitely. Yeah, I think we split I think, between I, them I think two. I said Seb, but yeah. Like, he was very unlucky at the end of the year, and he probably would have came P5 in the in the uh, driver's standings if it wasn't for that bad luck. So, I, I, I don't know. I feel like people are being a bit too harsh on him for the end of the year, and I think, you know, this should he should be very much congratulated for a brilliant year, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's a race winner. Charlotte's desperate to say yeah. something here. No, because... I'm... <laughs> Sorry, I just thought, I'm pretty sure in our previous podcast, you both were going, oh no, like, Lando should be doing better. And I was the one saying how much bad luck he's had. So I feel like I'm very happy you've just said that, Jay, because I think the tables have turned. I think he had a lot of bad luck the last part of the season, but still, he was able to get back in the points. Yeah, it was just, you know, a one point here and there for Mexico and Brazil. But at least he's still gaining a point, and it's not out of the top ten. So... Once again, I think that's still showing what an amazing driver he is and his capabilities. So, yeah, just wanted to say that. I'm just happy that you guys have realised that I was right. 
That looks fuming. That looks absolutely fuming. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. No, I'm not fuming. <laughs> but if it was bad luck. It's partly his own fault. But I mean, we're all. How is agreement. a puncture but, his own fault? No, no. The puncture's not his own fault. But equally, his performances weren't what they were in the first I mean, half of the season. I, I think in Brazil it was his fault. I, I think we we can all agree yeah. on that. Yeah. Oh, Charlotte, yeah. you hesitated. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from Lando. He had a brilliant season, and he is unquestionably. A brilliant driver. Let's move on from Lando. Let's talk about Esteban Ocon. He won a race in this crazy season. It's easy to forget. He's a race winner now. You know, as, as I said it at the time, I can't think of anyone that deserves it more than him. And it was in a race with a lot of chaos. So he did get a bit lucky in that sense. But, you know, he had to hold off Seb. He had to hold off, well, his teammate Fernando did a massive favour for him. But he won a race at the end of the day. Like, fair play, Ocon. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what, right? Ocon. I feel like Ocon. He's either brilliant or just terrible. Like he's either a nine out of ten or a three out of ten. He's never like a, a six or seven. Because you, th- you think Hungary, he won. He was really, really good. So consistent. I mean, the, the pressure he was under for what sixty odd laps with Vettel behind him was insane. No mistakes. Drove superbly in Saudi, keeping Bottas behind for as long as he did. Brilliant. But then you think sort of France, terrible. Austria, terrible. Styria, terrible. And it's either like he's just, he's up there or he's just anonymous. And yes, he did win in Hungary and it was a really good drive. It was a crazy race and Hungary did actually deliver a good race for once. I don't know. I don't think he was as good as Fernando Alonso this year, personally. I don't know what you guys think. No, I agree. I do agree. To be honest, just before the Hungarian Grand Prix, I feel like I was kind of like, I don't know where Ocon's where he is and I kind of thought like I just found him a little bit forgettable in the sense of he wasn't really consistently in the top 10 um the first five so Bahrain he was 13th uh Imola he was 9th Portugal was 7th Spain he was 9th Monaco he was 9th Baku DNF and then France and Styria 14th Austria DNF and it was kind of like where is he and I think by that point as well he had already signed multi-year yeah. contract with say, Alpine. Didn't he sign the contract and then he, yeah. just went, he was terrible after he signed the contract. And you kind of were thinking, no offence, really? Like, you know, we've seen Ocon be really great, especially when he was in um, that racing point or was it Force India at the time? Um, he was like, you know, battling. He you know, had that <laughs> unlapsed himself from Max in Brazil. That was a great time. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, it just, it just kind of was a bit forgettable. But Hungary was really kind of great to see him be so calm within that situation you know he hasn't ever won a race in formula one and he did so well to keep Vettel off his back the entire time you know he qualified eighth and then with all that mayhem got up there and then with Hamilton not pitting and then Hamilton then had to pit after everyone's then he was last he got that first and he was doing great so I think it's really lovely that we had a brand new Grand Prix winner, especially the first French winner in a very long time. Um, and I just hope maybe this has given him a bit of momentum to kind of keep pushing forward and get some more consistent results for the 2022 season. I mean, to be fair to Ocon, there were a few questions over his chassis or something like that. Like, I think he had a very old chassis for a few races while they were trialing different things. He didn't set the world alight for really any race except 
Hungary. I mean, he had a strong end. He had a fifth, a fourth, and then a ninth in Abu Dhabi. Saudi. But he had a decent end. Yeah, he had fourth yeah, in Saudi, Saudi fifth in Qatar. I wanted him to win it in the end with that race. <laughs> with all that mayhem, I was like, go on, I can get a second yeah. win. No, yeah, I mean, I was, I was... How weird was it when he was on pole for one of the restarts? <laughs> Like you had like, like red bull. Oh, hit? this is the race Michael Massey forgot he was. I in. like he literally forgot yeah. he was there, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. I was on pole for second second. It was like, "Oh, Ocon's literally ahead <laughs> of both of them on the track." So what's uh... going on here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even to be fair, after Hungary, he had a seventh and a ninth, and then a tenth. So he did have a couple more points finishes and almost building on that momentum. I mean, it was an average season for Ocon, but there was one standout moment. So you know, fair play. Fair play, Tim. I don't know what Alpine are gonna are gonna do. You know, I've got my bold predictions about Alpine for next season, which we will go through in the season preview podcast in a few weeks' time. So no spoilers here. But yeah, I, lo- I love Ocon. I really do love Ocon, though. Like his story and the fact he came from absolutely nothing and sort of travelled around everywhere. His parents working a million in ten jobs. I do love Ocon for that. Yeah, that is really nice because obviously we all know how much Formula One is run and dominated by people with wealth and money uh with including a few drivers on this grid but to see him still going strong getting those sponsorships and driving hopefully <laughs> you know really still really well it's great yeah yeah i agree i agree he's i think f1 needs a figure like Ocon, especially when hamilton's coming towards the twilight years of his career there isn't really many other drivers on the grid who come for those sort of humble beginnings. So more power to work on. Happy to see him around. Happy to see him get a first win. And hopefully he can have, I don't know, a, a good 2022. Because I feel like Alpine are sort of lining it up for either maybe Piastri to join him or do they bring Gasly in. But that's a whole other story, that one. Alpine need four seats. They could quite easily fill four seats. Like their well, development program is actually very good, and they've got Gasly. They're looking at. I think the the issue that people had was that when um, Ocon got his like he got a very we get three years, which in F one terms is yeah. a lifetime. People were sort of looking at Guan Yu Zhou in F two and uh, Oscar Piastri and sort of saying, you know, he deserves they deserve seats, and why does Ocon get such a long extension? I, I don't know whether he justified three years, but. I think he's more than worthy of maintaining his seat on the grid. Has Joe left Alpine now he's joined Alpha, or is he kind of doing like an Albon at Williams? That's a good question. I, I would know, like actually. to. S- uh, I think we should check this. <laughs> a few moments later. We are back after Googling that, and uh, Joe's not with Alpine. He He's cut his ties with Alpine as he joins Alpha Romeo. So it opens the door. Joe, Joe's a difficult one. He really needs a good season because there are question marks about him already. But we're not talking about Guan Yu Joe. We're talking about Esteban Ocon and fair play to Ocon. Any more thoughts on Ocon before we move on? Um, he's really tall, isn't he? Per <laughs> fun driver. He is. He's really I'm tall. I'm surprised by it as well. Because most F1 drivers are sort of like 5'8", like 5'9". Is Land- he taller than George? Because George Russell's like very tall. No, he's not. He's not that small. Um, Lando's you know tiny. He's you know five what, foot seven. Is he? Yes. Sonoda is like five foot four. Five yeah, Sonoda's small. I never noticed how tall Ocon was until Max went over the top of Lewis in Monza and people raised the point that if it was Ocon sat where Lewis was, his head's mm. above the halo. That's <gasps> the first time that I noticed how tall Ocon was. Oh my lord. He's yeah, pretty tall. Ever since they said it, every time they cut to like the uh, shots of Ocon... <laughs> I, I always look and you can see like a few sort of like centimetres of helmet above the top of the halo 
Which is actually pretty crazy. But yeah, mm. yeah you see Ocon talking to Toto, because Toto is very tall as well, mm. isn't he? They don't look that tall. So yeah, that, that had nothing to do with Ocon's season. But oh, mind just... you, he's only six foot one. Which I know in F1 driver terms. Is huge. Yeah. It's well, I wouldn't have said he's six foot one. Like if I had to like just think about him, I wouldn't have said he's that tall. No. Oh. Well, that's an interesting chat. More interesting chat. <laughs> Moving on, we have the battle for P3 in the Drivers' Championship, which, to be honest, until maybe the last five races, really was kind of the, the storyline of the season in terms of close battles. It was obviously Lando was holding it for so long. Bottas had a pretty poor start to the season, but then sort of climbed back throughout the middle towards the end. Perez was always there and thereabouts, never really looked like a serious contender for it, but improved a lot over the season I mean I'm obviously going to be completely biased in this conversation and because of Bottas got it massive Bottas fan what a lad P3 in the Drivers' Championship Lando fell off they all peaked at different times basically and I just think Bottas was maybe the most consistent throughout the whole season even though he started poorly yeah I was going to say start of the season was the best for Bottas but he did get better I, I kind of feel like him and Perez did both get better but uh, mm. maybe Bottas got better earlier, so he got more. But obviously, he did, he did get that win in uh, Turkey, which did help him. Lando, the thing, I mean, I think Lando for the whole season, the sort of the media were sort of hyping him up, saying, you know, you, you're going to come P3, aren't you? You're going to beat Bottas, you're going to beat Perez, you're going to be, you know, like just do something that no one thought you'd do. And he was sort of always underplaying it, saying, you know, nah, nah, it's, they're going to overtake me, they're going to overtake me. Now, I do think it was inevitable because especially towards the end of the year when McLaren really struggled at some of the some of the circuits that Bottas and Perez would just go past them with just based on machinery rather than actual driving uh, you know driving abilities but yeah I don't know really Perez I, I don't think Perez was that far off Bottas and I don't think the points gap really pays homage to that no, he was quite close, actually. Um, Especially towards the end of the season. The exact number in front of me. But he was very close because he did have a very strong end, end to the season. But podium-wise, just to look at it, Bottas had 11 podiums and a win. Perez had five podiums and a win. That is quite a big difference in what you have to say were very equal cars. Oh, 36, yeah. 36 points. I thought that's quite a lot. Oh, I don't it's know. not I, as close as I thought, actually. Yeah. I don't think 36 points really... Oh, what's the word? Is accurate in terms of the sense that I don't think Bottas was that much better than Perez. I don't think he was 36 points better than Perez. One thing I will say with my Bottas fanboy hat on here is within the first five races, he had two DNFs, neither of which were his fault. Monaco definitely wasn't. I would say Imola. <laughs> I would say Imola Sorry. wasn't, but we'll get to that. We'll Wait, we'll see something our pit stop. Surely we all know Bottas didn't park on the right part oh, in the well. pit box. Yeah, it was all his fault. According to Toto, ridiculous. Um, and he also had so many engine penalties throughout the whole year. It was ridiculous. Oh, he was getting God. he was getting sent to the back of the grid every race at one point. So I think all things considering, he did do very well to get third. You know, he is no Lewis Hamilton. He's no Max Verstappen. Can I just I add, actually, something about engine penalties, Dan and Charlotte. in Russia, why did they give him that? Why did they give him the new engine to put him back with Verstappen for? That literally. I never say. understood that decision because if anything, no. you're making it easier for Verstappen to get past him. Where if Bottas started, I don't know, say, where did he qualify? Sort of P6 something like that in Russia? Because it, it, it was quite a mad yeah. qualifying, wasn't it? When like Russell was up there and signed and not yeah. was on pole. He probably would have never got past 
Bottas. But he literally made mince me out of him in the first few laps. So that was a really weird one from Mercedes. And then you look at it and you look how the season finished and you think, whoa, is that what decided the title? It's, you know, all those little nips. I mean, obviously we'll get into the title battle in in the next episode, but I don't know. That was just a really random thing. And I, I, I felt like maybe they got, they went a bit overkill on the Independent Mercedes because they just thought, right, we need Bottas to be, you know, like beating Max and keeping him behind. And I mean, look, we all know Bottas is you know sort of main best attribute isn't coming through the field like Hamilton can do like Hamilton showed in Brazil Bottas isn't going to be able to cut through the field well, in, 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 oh, Italy Italy did yeah, do well thank too, you for, thank you but it isn't what he's really known for doing so I just no. think Kim with all those engine penalties really did hurt him uh, I don't think they played it best strategically yeah I really did not understand this engine penalty choices by Mercedes and I do think that's you know oh, I'll be talking about this in the next episode but I definitely do think that was Red Bull's um kind of you know it's not comeuppance uh strengths you know their strategies the were, that's what I was gonna say I couldn't think of the word <laughs> that was Red Bull's strengths this season but that's the thing he took that penalty he had that new um uh power unit I believe in Italy which you know he was he got oh okay fastest driver on the Friday qualifying then he kept it for the sprint, so then he was on pole. And then he was sent right to the back of the grid. And you thought, well, right, well, no offence, Bottas, that's kind of your race done. He got all the way up to P3. Well, technically P4, because Perez had the um, five-second penalty. But he was like, no, I'm going to stay behind. He had one little try. And he was like, no, no need. I've got, I've got P3 in the bag. And then they gave him it again the following two weeks in Russia. It was just like, how bad is his car? Like, I'm sure it is not that bad. And it just did not make sense. Yeah, Russia, he's still got P5. Pretty fair play. But he definitely could have done better. And then the one point of the season where I'd say he actually really needed a new engine. He didn't have one, and that was in the final race. His engine was knackered. He qualified sixth, and Toto was amazed that he'd got it that high up the grid. So why not give him a new engine, Marvelous, let him qualify yeah. sort of first, second or third, drop him five places, he would have ended up about the same place on the grid anyway, and he would have been a lot more help. They, yeah, they needed him in Verstappen's pit window. Yeah. And I think as well is that Merck, I don't know what it is, but every time Bottas got a penalty, it was always, you know, back to the grid, back of the grid. You know, you've got to, got to change the whole engine, change the whole car, change your helmet, change your racing boots. <laughs> Whereas Hamilton, it was like, oh, we're just going to change the um, internal combustion engine. And, it's, and obviously, that's only a five-place drop. And, I mean, they've done that in Brazil, and Hamilton was literally driving a rocket ship. Where, like, Bottas would be given a, new en- a whole new car, pretty much. Exactly. So, I don't get, I, mean, I don't know, you know, the, the technical side, I don't know how bad these power units were but why not just give him any YCE no and I think fair point very uh, fair point maybe Mercedes you know kind of ruined it because like you say Abu Dhabi if, if Verstappen's in I mean if he's in Verstappen's pit window Verstappen isn't making that last stop but yeah very quickly going back to the battle for P3 in the driver's uh, standings I think if Prez was performing how he was in the second half of the season if he was at the first half i think it definitely would have been a much tighter battle for p3 against bottas um and like we've said about lando i think p5 was always like gonna be the best and like the aim because i think p3 was gonna be a bit of a long shot especially in you know this against mercedes and red bull um and then yeah carlos got p5 (laughs) very at the last minute well let me throw a question into the stratosphere for you guys do you think Perez 
has done enough to justify keeping that Red Bull seat. Yeah. Now, yes. Halfway through the season, no. Yeah, but you now, really yes. didn't. At the start no, of the season, he, he you were like, fourth, no. He had a poor <laughs> first half of the season. He really did. But he, you know, I'm I'm the first to say he had a very strong second half of the season. But I think the reason Bottas got it was that consistency. As I say, he had six more podiums than Perez. And, you know, Perez made several mistakes. Like that first lap in Spa, or the formation lap in Spa. No, not even the formation lap. The lap to the grid in Spa. Yeah where he crashed, he had a shocker at Silverstone. You know, he did make several mistakes, which the only mistake I can think that was and completely Bottas' fault was Hungary. He had other DNFs. He had the puncture in Qatar. He had a DNF in Monaco. He got spun around in Mexico. And, you know, he had poor weekends. Baku was a poor weekend for Bottas, admittedly. But the only real mistake was that crash in Hungary, which I think really is the difference. He was just that little bit more consistent, which allowed him to have How- P3. Dan, as a boss fan, how would you rank this amongst these other seasons with Mert? Because what this was his fifth Ooh. year. Where, where would you put it? Okay, so I would put. I'm gonna. I'll rank them in order. I'll put 2019 as first because mm. I think nice. he got four wins that year, and he came back after a shocking 2018, which I would put last. So he got 2019, uh, 2020. No, 2019, 2017, 2021-2018. So I'd put it second last. Okay. Mm. But at the end of the day, he knows he's leaving the team. So he doesn't really care. Like He does care in his, like, in his head he cares. But realistically, you know, I think at that point he was racing for Lewis rather than racing mm. for Mercedes. But then I think towards like, at the start, even at the start of the season, he was still well off it. Like, and at that point... He was unlucky, though. He was unlucky. No, but he thinks sort of Spain, nowhere... Portugal, Hamilton, Breeze passed him in Portugal. Do you remember that? Spain, he was third. No, but like in comparison to Hamilton and Verstappen, he was nowhere. And I, do you know what it is? It's, yeah. it, I'm talking in comparison to the leaders. Like There was some very some minor grumblings at the start of the year that maybe Bottas could get into the fight with Hamilton and Verstappen. and you know Most of he, those were coming from me. Yeah, it was all done on Twitter. But <laughs> in comparison, I, I just think that this year, the gap between Bottas and Hamilton... Is probably the largest it's been during that whole time at Mercedes. And I don't know if that's because Hamilton went to a new level because he's been pushed by Verstappen or Bottas fell off or maybe a combination of the both. But I just, I don't know. I don't think, I think Bottas has had a very, very average year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Let's move on. Um, Carlos Sainz. Let's chat a little bit about Carlos Sainz because as I think I said this in the last episode, He's my driver of the season. Spoiler alert for the awards. I think he was absolutely superb. I think he's unbelievably underrated. I actually really like the guy. Like, he shot up my favourite drivers this season. What a season from Carlos. New car, adapted so well. He's so fast. Brilliant. Um, Before we really get into it, I want Jay to do his Carlos impression. Because he did it earlier and it really made me laugh. So go on, Jay. (laughs) Uh, There's all the pressure now. People are actually listening to it. Hello guys, my name is Carlos Sainz. <laughs> <laughs> you need to say sorry, say, say, uh, say sorry guys. That, that's, that's... Sorry guys. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Lando. sorry guys. Lando! Ferrari? Vamos! Anyway, go on Jay. Uh, um, onwards. Well, anyway, onwards and upwards. Uh, Carlos Sainz is criminally underrated. I think that is the word. He is criminally underrated. What he's done in this year has been nothing short of amazing. Thing about four podiums, is that right? Abu Dhabi, Monaco, 
uh, hungry. He had that one that he wasn't on the podium for as well, didn't he? Yeah, that was hungry. Uh, hungry Monaco. You oh wait, I've got it. Monaco. He had question. it in Monaco, Hungary, Russia, Russia, that's what and it is. Abu Dhabi. Yeah, it was, I knew it was four. Yeah, he was insanely good, so consistent. I think that, and that's the thing with Carlos Sainz is that he is uber consistent, and that is the kind of thing which makes a world champion. And I don't know. Before the start of the year, I would have said Carlos Sainz, very good driver, but he's not quite world championship material. But this year, he's kind of justified it. Like he can compete with Leclerc at Leclerc's team. People were sort of worried that because Vettel was kind of frozen out whether Ferrari just existed to make Leclerc world champion. But he's shown that, you know, he can take it to new heights. Four podiums, super consistent. I think he's got the longest uh, point scoring streak on the grid. If that's not wrong. That yeah, right, no, yeah, absolutely right. Thank you very much, Dan. So, mate, what a season. What a guy. And I can't even argue with your driver of the year um, accolade for him because I think he's spot on. He scored a point in every race since France, just to give you that stat. That is crazy. And like, even, it is, even the races where he was crashing, he was still actually scoring points. Like, Imola, he crashed like 26 times. Literally, like, every time it apparently... Still he came fifth. Even the barriers and all that, he came fifth. And Baku, what happened in Baku? Didn't he go off into like, the runoff area of the castle section? Yep. Came eighth. Came eighth. He didn't, didn't DNF. Even... His worst finish all season was 11th. That's crazy. That is crazy, was, no matter what car you're Was that in, in France? Was that France? Uh, Portugal and France. Every he other was, race yeah. he was in the points. He was just super good. And I mean, I hope Charlotte's going to praise him as much as I have, otherwise I'd be disappointed. No, it's more I would like to pose a question to you both, even though I believe I actually know the answer to it. Um, obviously, we've spoken about Lando Norris and we've spoken about Carlos now. But I would just like to know, would you rate Carlos to be better or a higher driver than Lando Norris? Yeah. Obviously, he did finish P5 in the Constructors, but he was quite lucky for the podium in Abu Dhabi, I feel. I would put him above Lando. Was he lucky Lando. in Abu Dhabi? A bit. Well, no, he was really good. Don't Cause, get me wrong. Because wasn't he ahead of Lando before Lando's puncher? Did, um, I, all that craziness, I can't. I think, he must have been. He must I think, have been. I think, they, I think Ferrari got him in the and uh, Ferrari got Lando in in the pit stops. I think that's what but it anyways. was. <laughs> I mean, he, he he did get lucky in, in Hungary because obviously Vettel had that that fuel flow issue. But yeah, um, do, do, I think, do I think he's better than Lando? I think he is because Signs is super consistent, super consistent. So I'd say that's what it, I mean. I feel like when Lewis was teammates at McLaren, and maybe Lando maybe had the slight edge in qualifying, but certainly on race pace, I think that's where science edges it for me and the consistency element as well. But let's say Ferrari were the quickest team last year. Science would have been world champion if they were like miles ahead because he beat Leclerc. Like he was best of the rest. But then but you could literally say Schumacher would have been world champion if that's had the quickest car. <laughs> no, 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 but he beat the rest of the field as well. He oh the yeah, rest of yeah, the field as well. And like his racecraft is is really he's good. really good. I, yeah, I could be world champion if my car was the quickest. <laughs> oh, you know what I meant. You know what I meant. But that Monaco drive as well, P two in Monaco, which you know it takes some skill to do that. So very very impressed with Carlos Sainz. But yeah, I'm not slandering Carlos Sainz. I just want to know that question. But yeah, no, Carlos had an incredible season. Like we've said, he's had some amazing point finishes. Would like to say the same as. Lando in the sense of podiums, he had three 
third place finishes and one second. Um, so that kind of was why I was thinking of that question, because if you want to say of their like highs, they're equal on the podium finishes this season, which is actually quite crazy. They both had four podiums. Um, but yeah, obviously Lando was quite unlucky towards the end of the season. But that's the thing. Carlos, everyone thought once again, Charles Leclerc would be beating him. I think even as a fun little segment on Sky Sports F1 on their, um, you know, their Grand Prix previews, um, they had Carlos and Charles Leclerc do the Mr. and Mr. challenge. And they both said that Charles Leclerc would finish higher in the driver's standings. And obviously that completely flipped. That did not happen. And I don't think anyone kind of would have expected Carlos to be as strong as he was against Leclerc, which once again, like I said earlier, just shows how good of a driver Carlos is and how underrated he is. Would it be my driver of the season? I'm not 100%, but yeah. Don't spoil I think it. He's... Don't spoil it. No, I know. I'm just saying, I just think he's great. He's. I'm really happy that he had such a strong end to the season and he was able to claim P5 because I think he's now kind of made a lot of people realise that he's one to watch. I'll say yeah. two two quick points about signs before we move on. I think if like Leclerc was still really good this year, which I think definitely shows that signs was just really really good as well. Because you know, like it'd be a, it'd be a different kind of story if um, Leclerc was a bit iffy. And I know he had that sort of DNS at Monaco where he crashed in the vans in qualifying. But Leclerc was so especially the second half of the season. Leclerc was ridiculously good. You know, he was always sort of like best of the rest. He got that podium at Silverstone. Silverstone? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He and almost he, had the win. He almost had the win, yeah. That would have, have been a really good win to Philip Clark, to be fair. But the Clark was still really good and Sainz was just matching him, which I think really shows how good Sainz was because the Clark is no slouch whatsoever. He's probably one of the best young talents in Grand Prix racing. And secondly, this is more of an observation rather than a, a fact. Is it the fact that Sainz, when he gets a podium... It's, it's always there's always like a crazy story which just, just distracts you from the fact that signs on the podium so when you think about Abu Dhabi last lap drama Michael Massey maybe doing a bit of a madness everyone kind of forgets signs on the podium Hungary he was put to the podium because that was fuel flow issue and Ocon won the race so no one really talk about signs there uh, Monaco eh, maybe kind of spoke about because it was like his first Ferrari podium but Verstappen won read to the championship lead and then Russia because Lando was one and then he lost it on the last couple of laps. So I don't I just feel like maybe it's just because when he does have a really, really good result, there's just some other kind of madnesses going on that it, 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 people get distracted from the fact that he's just that good of a driver and he's always had to capitalise on a crazy race. And I think that is probably one of his biggest strengths that when there is a crazy race, you can bank on Carlos Sainz being up there to take full advantage of it. Yeah, he really is forgotten. But I don't think he will be next year. I'm putting that out there. I don't think he will be next year. Finally, in this episode, we are going to talk about the Mercedes seat. Of course, not Lewis Hamilton's. He's always had that. But the battle, was it a battle? I don't really know. I don't think it was. Between Valdry Bottas and George Russell for that second Mercedes seat. You know, we umdenard and then it was decided that George would have the seat and Bottas would go to Alfa Romeo. And it was all done in quite a nice way. Bottas' announcement was done beforehand. The team have been very lovely to him. Do you think that's the right decision? I think Bottas is actually very happy with how it's all worked out and the fact that he's now got a multi-year contract. Mm. He's a bit more secure. He said to Toto, or he said in media that when he walked in, he said to Toto, if you're only going to offer me a one year, I'm not going to stay. I'll go somewhere else. And Toto basically said, that's all I can offer you at the moment. So Bottas made his own decision, really. 
I think it's the right decision. I think it's now the perfect time to bring Russell up. I think Russell needs a year or two with Hamilton there. Just to, you know, like there isn't probably a better teammate than Lewis Hamilton. Not in terms of actually like helping you, but in terms of like just having them there to learn from. He's probably the best you can have, especially on the modern grid. So I think they needed to get Russell in, and now is the perfect time. And obviously, it was going to be Bottas that got sacrificed. I, I don't think maybe Bottas done enough to justify being kept on. I think that's fair. Because there were times when I think Hamilton needed him. I mean, obviously, we don't know whether George Russell can, can be that wingman for Hamilton if it is Hamilton v Verstappen part two again this year. So, I don't know. I think it probably was the right decision. I think Mercedes handled it pretty amic- amicably as well. I mean, the whole... Um, what was it at um, Abu Dhabi Dan when they uh, it was like they changed like one of these dashboard settings to like dash yeah, 77 yeah they told him chassis default 77 it said thank you Altery and finish and like, yeah. Mercedes Mercedes are so grateful to Bottas and I was kind of worried that it would just be okay bye Bottas Russell's here but it's not they, they're being very mm. very nice to Bottas and I don't really think they've done anything PR wise to do with Russell Mm. Yes. Well, I, I think Bottas is he's been a brilliant servant for for Mercedes, isn't he? You know, yeah. like when when it was uh, when Vettel was up there battling Hamilton, he was always very willing to play the wingman role and make sure Hamilton, um, you know, stayed ahead uh, in the Verstappen era. He always tried his best. He's always like when you think when you compare it as well to how it was when Hamilton and Rosberg were there, and you know those two were clashing literally every single weekend where. When you saw Hamilton and Bottas racing was one track, you never really thought, you know, they're going to crash it. It was always very fair. There's a lot of respect between the pair of them, I thought. They seem to get on really well. So, yeah, I don't know what. I mean, I think the time is right, but I think he can be proud of his five years at Merck. And I have to mention it because we can't talk about Bottas and Russell without talking about Imola. It really came to a head at Imola. Of course, Russell was overtaking Bottas. Bottas moved over slightly Russell panicked went onto the grass and in my view took Bottas out I, you guys might not agree I don't know but <laughs> I think that was the first time really in his whole Formula 1 career that we saw a bad side of Russell and not not in the sense of the crash but the sense of after the crash like storming over to Bottas in the media interviews being like I don't know what he was doing it was his fault you know it's, we saw a bit of an attitude on Russell yeah, but I think that tensions were high. You've just had a high-speed crash, you know, as well for Russell. Um, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Uh, with Russell, um, you know, he was so close to kind of getting his first points in Formula 1, which is definitely an aim for him and the team this year. Um, so he was so close to it and he was overtaking a Mercedes. We got quite excited by the fact of that. And I think it was a racing incident i do think it is hold on hold on flavor um i do think it was 60 40 russell thank you very much it's all right (laughs) see you just never let me finish um i do think russell was ever so slightly more to blame but you know it was wet conditions wasn't it wasn't it quite wet yeah no it was wet and that was the problem the wet dry line and the wet grass it's not the biggest like widest track as well it was yeah it's just unfortunate that that happened and obviously the adrenaline and high pressure and obviously in a few days time russell did come on social media i believe and apologize and things like that um 
And I think it's all just, you know, something that Russell will need to learn as he goes on. And like you say, Hamilton is going to be an amazing teammate to learn from. He's the best Formula One driver if we look at, you know, um, his achievements within the sport. So there's no one better to really learn from. So I think it's, I'm really excited to see the new dynamic. I think Russell will be quite good for Hamilton as well. Um, I think Russell potentially, sorry, Dan, might be quite good at like battling more people on track at times, potentially. Um, you know, I don't know. He might be able to, you know, give a bit of fight to Max. You saw how, we saw how exciting it was when it was the Sakir Grand Prix before Russell in a, in a car that he couldn't really fit in because he's much taller than Hamilton. The shoes weren't even the right size. And we saw how exciting he was. And I think that's just something yet to come. And that was... I, uh, come sorry, on, go Dan. On. Finish, I know finish, you're... Finish. Look, you're really... <laughs> you uh, just got to say that he wasn't in his comfort. And I think that that is a good sign. That, yeah, he'll still take him time. It's a new car. It's a different team and all that kind of stuff again. But I do think that he will be pretty good in that Mercedes. Oh, your Wi-Fi really lagged there, right at the end. Uh, we know what you said, it was just quite laggy. Uh, I don't take Sakir that much. I mean, there was basically driving around in a circle. Um, no, I'm joking. I, I do, thing is, I do rate Russell as a driver. He's a really good driver. Since his announcement at Mercedes, he has been a bit quiet, in the sense that he hasn't set the world alight ever since he was announced. You know, even his Mr. Saturday didn't really stand out very much. Yeah, but, he was pinned by Latifi only a few times. Yeah, but, really well, weird twice i think but i am i am excited to see him and also i just loved the absolute there's no other way of saying it shithousery by formula one when they gave russell bottas in the secret santa video <laughs> <laughs> and russell bought bottas like a coffee mug warmer which i actually thought was a really cute gift i was like oh fair enough because i think i think that bottas is you know as i say i think bottas is quite happy moving to alpha so I don't think there's any bad blood between the pair anymore, which is nice to see. Yeah, 100%. The, the last thing you want is friction on the grid. Well, that's the thing. The media have been ramping it up of like, oh, Bottas and Russell kind of thing, when actually in reality, it doesn't really seem that way. And I'm really excited to see Bottas and Alfa Romeo. Like we said, it's a multi-year deal. He also um, will be kind of like the number one guy. He will be the number one guy in that car. So I think it's exciting for Bottas, and I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. Yeah, I dread to think what Netflix are going to do with with this Russell Bottas drama, let alone the Max Lewis drama. They did it. They made Carlos and Lando look like enemies, for goodness sake. Like I dread I to think what they're going to do with this. But who knows? But who knows? Does anyone have any points before we round up part one of the season review? Has have had a great year. Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> Aston Martin were terrible. Yeah, they were poor. They were, they were poor. I think right. there's a lot of hype with Vettel going there and, you know, Lawrence Stroll at the helm. But then maybe there's just something for next year or this year. Maybe this year they'll be the best team on the grid. That's one to keep an eye on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll speak about all the teams. We'll speak about all the teams in part two. And as I mentioned, the title battle and we will do the awards. That will be out in a few days' time. But for now, thank you very much, guys. Oh, sorry. I didn't think you were looking back to us. <laughs> Um, no, no, he's, he's always come back to you. You always do, sorry, I don't you. know why I didn't expect that. I was all caught, caught, caught sleeping there. Master um, have surprised me. Dan, mate, what can I say? You are an absolute magician, sir. Anyway, yeah, no, thank you for You're <laughs> a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Dan. Wizard. You are a racing driver, Dan. Oh, I love Harry Potter, it's great. Isn't it crazy, like, Dan Palmer, there's two racing drivers just in one. 
know that shit. Let's wrap this up, guys. Let's wrap this up. Let's go. We'll see everyone in a few days' time. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you.